You're listening to Red Nation Online. He's had a spectacular first year in Major League Soccer. I'm sure he can deal with it. Embry's come forward as well. Up for a header, we've got a tie game! And Danny Kubermans has done it again! Saturday, June 30th, it's Steve Perry and I'm Ian Clark, together again, and back from a 1-1 draw with the New York Red Bulls. Unlike last season's late-tying goal from Thierry Henry or 2010's 4-1 annihilation, TFC were able to pull level minutes after the Red Bulls opened the scoring. Another point in game that showed improvement as TFC continues to earn points since Paul Mariner has taken over. We go over the game, examine the role of Julian de Guzman, and where this team could be heading once the transfer window opens. All in the next 30 minutes on East Side Stand Up. But we're gonna we're gonna try this, the free form today, Steve. But yeah. I'll still do the uh, the usual entry. Yeah, sure. That everyone's so comfortable with. So come back saying what we're, we're back. Yeah, we're back from BMO Field. We're back from BMO Field. This is it's been the first time you and I have done one of these in quite a while. So. Yeah, I haven't been in for a while. And uh, or when when you have, I haven't. So we did a couple. Right. In, we did a couple in a row here. Yeah, where, Tim and I did one in the park. Yeah, and then then Tim and I did one in the park. Oh, Two was that the last one? That was the last one. Yeah, so we in also New England. Did, yeah. That's when his son came in your place. And he was going, boo, England. <laughs> and then they lost. <laughs> um, Sorry. You, you like that, eh? I do. Yeah. What are you gonna, I loved you, it. What do you do about that? But, I was cheering uh, for Italy, so. Yeah. But there's no loss today. No. A 1-1 draw and, and a different draw than the last game we you witnessed. Yeah. Or, and I watched as well in the New England game. And uh, the action was fast and furious in the first 10 minutes. And then it was Maybe still- a drive. I do. Uh, in some ways, it's similar, though. There's some, 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 the similarities are that I actually felt that we deserved probably to win this game. So uh, I do feel that it was a loss in some ways. But, um, but with the people we were traveling with on the way home, it felt like a win. <laughs> it felt like a huge win. <laughs> there was lots of singing and cheering, and even after the game, long after it was over, and it felt like we had won. But yeah. um, I didn't. guess after the dismal season we've had so far, um, you know, it's kind of uh, uh, a tie is a win. Yeah, right. That's that's the uh, that's been the motto here at Eastside Stand Up for about <laughs> thirteen weeks now. That's right. A draw is a win. Anything yeah. anything other than a loss is considered a win this season with Toronto FC. Um, I didn't even get to see any of the uh, goal scoring action. No, I so, showed up at uh, eight minutes in the into the game and. Uh, I guess the goal scoring was already over. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Right? All the action happened in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? So, and it was great action. It was. Well, you tell us because I'm eager to hear what happened. Okay. Well, let's, you know, I want to start it off just with, um, you know, the opposition we've been up against here and especially yeah. with New York and looking at this game. And, it didn't look and, like a New York that I expected. No, me neither. Not the, you know, the New York from two years ago that absolutely, you know, massacred us 4-1. That handled the league, really. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then last year, even though... Uh, they had great players. They didn't quite live up to their expectations, but they still, Thierry Henry comes through with the last-minute goal to, to steal the win. And uh, this year, you know, a lot of the same players, and they, you know who else is on there is Kenny Cooper. 
who we know from his days with FC Dallas coming mm. in and, and scoring two goals or scoring a goal and getting that late win and scoring on the road. Um, he was quiet too. So it was a bit strange that, and they're, and they're not doing too bad this year. They're hovering around the top, but something about, they just don't quite look like the juggernaut that we remember seeing two yeah. years ago that looked like they were en route to the MLS cup, but got knocked out early by San Jose. And uh, so they come out of this game you know, looking pretty good with with Cooper and Henri up front. Henri and, had his uh, Henri has a, had his theatrics too, I would say, because like you know there was that rolling around. I've never quite seen anyone roll that much before in my life, actually. And um, uh, so it was impressive. It was impressive enough to get the call. Yeah, which I didn't feel was a valid call. I agree. And uh, he also did take a kick earlier that just was drifted wide, uh, just north of the the crossbar. Yeah. So he was. Uh, you know, he had his chances, and uh, and but he doesn't look like the player he used to play. I mean, maybe it's just like playing for a crappier team, right? But he is also just coming off injury. Is he? That's worth noting, too, okay. is that he I had a little bit of stretch. So last week he came in, New York beat D.C. United, which is a pretty big win because D.C. is also in the top three in the Eastern Conference. And uh, he came in late for that game. That was his first minute since uh, since the injury, and this was his first start since being injured. So okay. um, he went 90 <laughs> minutes. So that's I guess I got that's something for them to, to put in the books, but yeah. This but we but have, there was times when I thought he should have made like a cross or something, and he wasn't even actually in the mix. No, there was times I saw him back off from running up uh, and actually playing midfield. But he did have some balls that he put some long through balls on the ground that looked yeah. that looked pretty nice. That so his service just, was still there. Yeah, he still seems to have that vision, that cross field vision, and it's like he wasn't loft and long balls. He put some incredible just through balls like a, on the on carpet. The pitch, yeah. yeah, and that just would miss like Cooper by a foot, just slightly off. Um, but to get into the game, so yeah, like you said, let's, let's get in these first ten minutes because this is when yeah, the big action starts off. And and here's a, here's the one thing like heading this game that obviously the I think the the jury or the report out in Toronto FC is crosses. Send crosses in, win corners, send send balls into the area because our our defense is inexperienced. Um, if you would, if you've done any reporting on the team, you'd know that uh, you know you have a right back playing at center back. Um, some of the positions are mixed up, and within the first five minutes, New York gets a great chance where where Dane Richards comes down the right side and feeds it off to the right back who swings in uh, across far post, and uh, Yan Gunnar Soli comes in. And uh, it looked like Emery or Hall and, and Eckersley just got their their wires crossed and just just left him. You know, he just had that one moment to get behind them, and he did, and just slots it in. Mm. And there we are, one nil for New oh. York Rebels within a minute. And that you know the air just goes out of the stadium, and everyone is just like, "Oh shit, here we go again." You know, I'm thinking back to 2010 when they just absolutely, like, there was no, we didn't have a prayer. We didn't have a prayer in that game. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of thinking, oh, geez, like, what was that Montreal game just a one-off? Have this these two ties where we've sort of looked okay, but shaky on the back line. Is this team going to rip us apart? We'll see. But then, here we go. Two minutes later, back at the other end of the pitch, we win a corner. And Torsten Frings comes in, swings it in, and Danny Kovermans climbs up and just puts it right through the keeper. And within two minutes, we got both our goals for the game, 1-1. And it's, it sounded like the first Italy-Spain game. Yeah. Where the goals were three minutes apart. Mm-hmm. So a little tit for tat, I suppose. And I think that's, you know what, I think that's sort of... Just to keep of, us in the game. I feel like that is going to be, uh, for the foreseeable season, that's going to be sort of like Toronto FC's like um, MO, is that... But you know, we d- we haven't shown this ability to come back before in a while. 
No, right? no, not coming back. We've 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 let leads go away, um, but not necessarily come back. But I feel like that's sort of what Toronto really has to offer. Is uh, we can't keep goals out, but Coverman's is getting hot, and just finding that you know finding that uh, touch that was eluding him at the beginning of the year to at least make those. Those corners, those crosses. He's our leading goal scorer now. Now right? he is. He's Seven on eight. Goals? He's eight? on eight now. Okay. And within the last, uh, let's see, three games, I think he's on four goals in three games. Um, so he's he's scored. I think it. it's a longer streak than that. Well, so he, he we got shut out by Kansas City. He scored a goal in the last four games. Yes. So maybe it's five goals in four games. Might be more. Accurate. Yeah, something. So yeah, I think that's actually what it is. So um, that's sort of what it's to, it feels like to me is that. As long as he's putting them in, okay, we're going to be able to score a goal. The difference, though, between this game and New England's game, I think, is that um, you know, in the New England game, we witnessed the thirty-minute uh, collapse mm. that we'd seen traditionally with Toronto, which you know says something else about the team. Uh, this time, we put in De Guzman the last eight minutes to get to go, and um, really fortified and brought out the team. Uh, if you if you if you looked at when we substituted uh, De Guzman in the New England game, it was right around the 30-minute. Uh, Frinks had already come out. We had taken basically the uh, the spine of the team out uh, all at once, and then we witnessed the collapse. This time, we fortified the spine in the last part of the game, and all of a sudden came at them with a lot more force, and it became very exciting. Yeah. The fact that we had a few chances. That's a good point, because I think what we've seen in the last, uh, definitely in the last three games, is that Mariner has been substituting De Guzman out around the 60th minute. I think uh, against Montreal is the 58th. And also what we saw against New England was that he took out De Guzman and Frings, which left us in a lot of trouble in the last... All the, the chances last. came down to Guzman's side at yeah. the end, which is where the goals came from. This is going to be an interesting strategy going forward because I think as you, you we noted on the way back, I don't think either of us were overly impressed with Lamb on this game, and that was the switch out, mm-hmm. of, this, out of the midfield was that De Guzman came out and uh, Lamb came in, yeah. and I think you're sacrificing something in terms of just, um, I think the midfield of, of Dunfield, Frings, De Guzman, and Avila is is pretty good. Um, I think they can match up with a lot of midfields, and, and what we've seen is they've caused but, a fair bit of problems as a unit. But Lamb's not a midfielder. I mean, he plays a midfield position, but he plays like a forward. He yeah. plays like an overlapping forward. And uh, De Guzman is the exact opposite. He plays like a, a holding def- midfielder, right? Mm-hmm. Although... In this game, we saw him playing almost that position that uh, Lamb plays, and he can play. He can play it better than Lamb can play. Yeah, I mean, he can't score like Lamb, but he can certainly make chances and open spaces up and draw players away. And you, you see all kinds of magic coming from De Guzman. So I, you know, they're very uh, different players, mm-hmm. um, but certainly I think De Guzman is a different caliber than Lamb is. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's something to take from this game and as well the Montreal game midweek because that was a game too mm. where it was it was nil nil going into the half and all three goals came in the second half. I think it looks like um, Paul Mariner, Mariner might be trying to solve that problem from the first three games, or less or at least the Houston game and the New England game of the late collapse, um, trying to tinker with something to figure out what's the best way that we just don't shut down in those final 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes. And um, what we saw against uh, Montreal was he let Frings go for the full 90 minutes. He didn't come out, uh, but De Guzman did. By that point, though, we had pretty much, well, we were up 1-0, and we were able to secure that. And actually what we saw against Montreal, too, is once De Guzman came out, there was a small period where they just retreated into their own half, and it looked like we were going to see a repeat of New England. But then they came back, 
and on a counter scored a goal and the whole game changed once again. And then today what we saw was De Guzman come in at the very end and they just looked completely different. A mm-hmm. whole new energy came on the pitch. That's That seems a bit suspicious that uh, Mariner keeps subbing out De Guzman. He's one of the best players on the team. It's kind of weird. Well, yeah, I, I don't think you can really argue against that because the team, I don't think anyone who was, who can, who was observing our play realizes that's our strongest. He's not field. injured, is he? No. So you he can't, you have to rule that out. No. I, I, he's still one of our best players. Yeah. He does, despite what everyone thinks. Yeah. Um, he's still great. So, and he can bring like a different, it's, it seems like something's up. Yeah. I think what we've seen, especially over the last month, is that he's looked much better and looked particularly good. Um, I mean, Look, we have a new head coach, and there's going to be players that they like and players that they don't like. Uh, and I think we've heard some rumors about Sulzman maybe heading out the door. Uh, we're obviously hearing rumors that Plata might be on the way out for a loan or something like that. And uh, you know, we've and you know, De Rosario before is a player that you know, as much as he was a great player, uh, he didn't necessarily you know we wanted we know that Preki MLS him MVP. Gone. Yeah, we know that Preki that was one of the first guys he wanted gone yeah. when he showed up. Um, you know, and Julian de Guzman, I mean, it's, it's kind of like this. If he plays well, he's a great guy. But just there's some people that uh, that his um, personality necessarily doesn't mesh with. And that sort of like English style of yelling and, and grinding things out, um, that might not work. And he might not be a guy that necessarily Mariner uh, sees in his plans as, a, you know, that starting 11 or that full 90 minutes, the guy that he wants out there all the time. What a difference a coach makes, eh? Yeah. I would be. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I'm sure a lot of people who follow the team probably want De Guzman gone next year, or if they, he's back on a, on a not on a designated player st- uh, status. I don't think he'll be back next year. If Mariner's here, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think he'd be back. I don't think he's a Mariner kind of player, even though our, our midfields looked decent with him. I, I think we're sort of seeing the guys that he likes already, and the guys that. So we'll be back to a whole new team. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it a, that's again. a problem. That's a problem, right? When you bring in a new coach because the they want their own. They want their own players. This will be the seventh year of instability, mm-hmm. and you're sort of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because it uh, seems like that's our strategy. Instability <laughs> is our strategy. <laughs> Always have making sure the opposition never knows what they're going to face. Give <laughs> me a whole new lineup. Every it never week. worked in Italian politics. Why would it work in Canadian football? <laughs> well done, huh? well done, Steve. Yeah, it's true. Look where they are now. Yeah. Berlusconi. Class act. Yeah. There's, 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 anyway. So let's roll, but let's, let's, uh, I mean, we, we got through the first 10 minutes here, but there was so much more to the game than that. And, uh, I mean, we kind of went over that second half, but, um, <coughs> you know, it was, it was kind of, there was a bit of a nail biter down the end where we saw some, some good energy from the team going into the final 90 minutes. And I think you noted, I think we were kind of, New York wasn't the team that I was expecting. And they were, the, I think they were there for the taking. Emery got that player, the, the man of the match. Yeah. Uh, he, the only thing I ever noticed him doing was he made a run for one of the crosses. He did, he did, uh, he did slide in on a chance on goal and, and knock the ball I'm away. not that sure why he play. was the man of the match. He, he stopped one, too. He, slid, he did a slide. That's what I'm talking about, okay, yeah. So, okay, so it's the same play. It's not two plays. He only made really one <laughs> of a play, I think. How does he get man of the match? That's, Maybe he's again, secu- is, that, is, that, is that considered securing the win for Toronto FC? Maybe? Is that a stretch? I, I don't Who know. would be your man of the match then, Steve? Let's let's do this then. I, I can't. I don't I I don't really have. Um, no one really strong, stood out for you? No, there's no strong players today. I don't know. I, didn't, I don't have a feeling about any of them. Really? But, but I do want to say 
what, what should be noted is that um, in past podcasts, I've said our set pieces are awful. We've never been able to get any product out of them. We, we got a res- we got something today. Yeah, which was a tie actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just a not just a goal, but a, actually a point. So, yeah. uh, I I would almost say that this is one of the first times we've ever scored off a set piece. Yeah, and I was I was trying to. I'm, is this a turning point in our history? Yeah, no kidding. Well, here's here's know. the but here's the sort of. Um, in in the there's post two, in the post the Rosario period, I yeah, would say. there's two, yeah, because he scored off. Yes, he pieces. scored off, and so did um, uh, Amado Guevara. Guevara. Beautiful one against New England. Do you remember that game? Yes, where he did it I from, do. Like almost from halfway, and yes. the keeper. Yeah, <laughs> I'll never forget that goal. That was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but here's the, here's just two sides to this because we have Torsten Frings um, setting up now. It seems exclusively taking the set pieces. Which yeah, is, which was strange Nobody, that he never was in the first place. But and against New England. They were confused as to who to take, who was to take him after he went out. Yeah. It's, oh, here I totally forgot. That. How could I forget this when we're talking Montreal game? Torsten Frings scored on a set piece. It was beautiful. His first goal, two games in a row. Yeah. So he sets one up this week. He scores. Set pieces one. are becoming part of our yeah modus operandi. Well, that's it's crazy how you know last year, even when he was here, or even at the beginning of this year, why he wasn't like exclusively taking them because he's yeah. got the most experience. He's easily our most technical player. Um, he should be doing it all the time. But then there's the flip side that I think we should not necessarily slide out because we were talking about before. We are watching the replay of, uh, I think yeah. there's a chance. That Kenny Cooper didn't get a foot on it, but the ball hit the post. And at the, at, right at the end of the it's first a half. It's Red Bull's chance. Yeah, right at the end of the first half. I couldn't. I was watching it unfold during the game, and I couldn't figure out why Richard Ackersley was screaming, like just losing it on Torsten Frings. Of all people, I couldn't yeah. put this together. I was like, this can't be happening. I don't know what would have happened. But then we watched the replay when we came home. Yeah. And he, because Eckersley's playing last man, and Frings didn't come out with the uh, with the offside trap, which put three of their players on side. Yeah, walking. 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 Not even uh, oblivious to the trap, I think. Which, to a German player, is kind of weird. Yeah. You think they would pay attention to the trap. <laughs> they're, they're all about the machine, right? They're all about the system. Yeah. It was surprising Very that surprising. that was that's where it came down to, and you know. But he wasn't the only player walking. It annoys me to no end to watch Danny Coverman's walk. I, I I've heard people say that he's more fit now and he looks like he's in shape. I think people are coming up with excuses or rationalizations, explanations, something to describe the way he's scoring all of a sudden. Uh, you know, I think he's getting a lucky break most times. I don't know if I'm being harsh there, but I don't think I am. Um, but it annoys me to see him walking and seeing the Red Bulls defense line knocking it back and forth. And meanwhile, Dunfield's coming up to try and catch the second player to give him like some, but some, you know, some support. And Danny can't even make the initial run, and it's on his side. I, I just it frustrates me. It looks, it reminds me of the dying days of Danny Dicchio. Really? Yeah, I think uh, you know. I, <sighs> I don't want to say this, but like because he's actually scoring, unlike Danny, uh, unlike Dicchio, but you know, is Coverman's ready to retire? Well, he's only he's still in his he's younger than Frings, but that's and you know what's interesting is last week we didn't actually get this on the pod, but Julian Zadarozny was on, oh, and, yeah. and he was he actually had it was of the opinion that it was like it's time for him to go. Yeah, I feel and, like and, he's and not Andre, interested. Andre, who's his twin brother, uh, is on the pod all the time, was like, Are you insane? You're insane. He's scoring tons of goals. He's finally come back to form. Um, you know, and, and one of our, you know, every, well, every year it seems like the one thing we're complaining about is we don't have a good center back and we don't have a pure finisher. Or we don't have that guy that can, that's going to, that's going to bag us 10 to 15 goals. Uh, 
we're about halfway point in the season and Coverman's is sitting on eight now. So if we get through this, if you know, if he stays roughly on this pace, he's going to finish the season as Toronto's highest scorer ever. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's the thing I'm hitting back to you. Um, cause it's, I think that's sort of what people will sort of hold up is, you know, is that, is that worth it though? Do you mean, I know you're, you're trying to build a team and you want to have a say, sort of like ethic, um, that the I want to say that under. I don't think you can rely on him next year. That's what I want to say. Sure. I want to say that, uh, I wouldn't, uh, throw him out of the lineup now because he's doing such great, he's giving us results, but I think that will he be around next year saying that like, this is the crappiest team in the crappiest team in football comments like that and then you know trying to guilt him into playing it kind of feels like he's his heart isn't always into it i just feel like uh you know despite i there was the one time i i, I gotta say i was shocked when he came back and uh, did a slide tackle and the guy in the dying minutes of the game <laughs> he was actually in the midfield i was like whoa he ran outside of his like you know outside of that spot because he actually did run once but he did he hauled ass back but man i just i I don't know. There's guys on the bench who will run. <laughs> yeah, but the, let's look at that bench. That's another thing. There's another issue, Steve. That I we don't know who's our striker. Right? Really, we don't have. We don't, we don't have a backup target man. The thing, though, as I think Reggie Lamb, if you put him forward, maybe Reggie Lamb might become that player. Mm-hmm. He could become that player because he has a touch for it and he knows where to find the goal. He's done it for us in the past. I just don't think he gets enough game, and right. I think he's played in a position where. You know, he takes the spot of De Guzman right now. So if you didn't put him in the same position as De Guzman, if you put him in the spot where Danny Coverman's is supposed to be, or if you played him with Danny Coverman's, if there's somehow you could get like a three, a diamond three, sure. with him and uh, and Johnson, I don't know how that would work, but maybe you'd have Coverman's at the top and you can have Reggie Lamb running off and on the one side and and you could have Ryan Johnson on the other side. If we could get, if we could get Ryan Johnson scoring and we could get Reggie Lamb scoring, man... There's, well, that, that's 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 the formula, right? That we've kicked that around be, since the start of the year. Is, wouldn't wouldn't that be great? Yeah, but I've never seen them line up like that. No, I mean they sort. I don't know. I don't know if I've seen them work it that way. I don't think like Coverman's plays a post position to knock it back to them to run onto it. I think Reggie Lamb could play the play. I think he's got the touch. All right. I'm sorry. No, and he's don't young. Apologize and, for and he's it. young. Yeah, he's young. So if he learns from Coverman, well, let's. I want to. I kind of want to like uh, segue into something here because I think it's a good point, and we got we got plenty of time because you're talking about uh, you, you have a you're, you're throwing out a little bit of vision here, a little bit beyond the short term, some midterm vision when you're talking about you know is, is Coverman's going to be here next year? Is Frings going to be here next year? Yeah, that's true. Um, and we're and we're sort of hearing some rumors, and we're looking at what's coming down the road for this team. Uh, and some of the rumors are Plata could be out the door, maybe not permanently. Uh, Suzma could be out the door. De Guzman might not be back. Kind of makes uh, sense that Suzma would be out because he's like he was Vinter's yes. know, choice to bring in, right? Sure. So as the new coach comes in, he cleans house with the old players that were Vinter's in Vinter's camp, right? Sure. And that's the sort of thing that I'm that I'm kind of. Uh, the, the question that I'm throwing you, or the thing I want to talk about is like, what, you know, what, where do we go? Like, what, what is going to happen if, you know, if we get rid of Sewell's when we get rid of Plata, what are we opening up? And do we think <coughs> that whatever comes in is going to be that? Is going to be, they're like, okay, this is our vision. This is what we're doing going forward. Will or, Stephen or, Fry be in the lineup next year? If his leg heals, mm. you know, if his leg heals, he's on crutches right now. Yeah. Um, that my concern is this again, that it's just another, you know, short term solutions for long term problems. You know, are we going to see, uh, another deep we're making room for a guy who's going to roll into a dp 
that's just going to come in at the right time to give this glimmer of hope that they can hang on their season ticket renewals for, put on tickets, make some shirts. But they can't bring that person in this year. They can. They can? If they release these players in time, because it's July 1st now as a window opens, right? That's the same time as last year. I know it's right now. Yeah, I know it's in, in the July period, right? Yeah. That's what, I, but I'm thinking. Deguzma's still in the lineup. Yes. So Deguzma will be gone until the end of the year. That's without question. But if they can, if they but can, who are they going to? So who can they bring in as a DP? They can if the position still fills, right? Right. But that's how this is. I mean, MLS. MLS. No. How does it work? How does it work? Yeah. You get creative because what you say, you know, you do a contract with a player and say, well, Julian will be leaving next year. You come in at this salary and we'll give you a bump in 2013 oh, plus like the, a DP status. Is that the De Rosario? Something like that. <laughs> something like that except this time it'd be in writing the, and the they wouldn't and they wouldn't be able to weasel their way out of it <laughs> okay. pretty much okay. that's the way i see it and, and here's the thing is that mls is a league that is always look is always uh up for bending the rules yeah uh, I, I for, for their favor for the favorable franchises and we've had so. this happen to us in the past players that were no longer generation adidas <laughs> players were all of a sudden still generation adidas players after the year they should have graduated um, does that give you a separate status? What, it does. does a generation Adidas player does, doesn't count against the salary cap. What is a generation Adidas player? It's a player who graduates from the NCAA ahead of before they finish university to turn pro. Oh, so if they're if they're sacrificing their university career to become a pro player, then they get the status um, to come in, and then they don't count against the salary cap as long as they're under. Oh, so we had players who who had finished that. And then the league allowed us to extended keep, it a year. Extended it a year, so we because we were going to be over our salary. Is that Cronin or that would have been Fry? Fry was one of them. Oh, okay. So, um, so, anyways, that's that's what I'm saying is that there's a lot of different ways that the MLS can kind of bend things in our favor. I mean, we shouldn't be able to get get rid of some of these guys, but who knows? All of a sudden, a contract might end up in the shredder. And, uh, you know, and Asaval's gone back to Chile. The salary cap's kind of bogus. It's kind of preventing it's, this league from getting anywhere. It's not a, and it's not a true salary cap. It's, a, it's sort of like a recommended budget that they put over the teams. Because, as you see, New York Red Bulls are spending, what, something like $13 million, and the cap's supposed to be 3 or uh, 2.75. How do they get around that? Because they have DP players, right, that are way over it. And they just it's just creative accounting. That's kind of the way it works. As long as you're not putting... The league, I think, uh, in, in any jeopardy financially. So maybe then. they give them a lower salary, but they give them a higher percentage of the sales of the whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways they can come. They can do it. Uh, why don't we do that? Uh, we do. Oh. I think we do. I think we do a lot of things that aren't necessarily 100 percent by the books. Well, then why don't we have a good team? <laughs> That's the question. That's the question. That's what we're left with here, Steve. Um, why don't we have? Uh, yeah. Well, there we go. Hey, and this leads us to the next thing. Why don't we have a good team? What was the sign you saw in the South End tonight? Oh, finally, uh, and sell me out. So this is, I guess, part of the sights and sounds, maybe. Segment, yeah, which we're we gonna, we'll wrap this up with some sights and we sounds. Haven't, we haven't really brought this out in a while. So sights and sounds, there was a big banner behind the, in the south end, uh, black and with white letters that said, and sell me out. So finally, somebody brought the message. I mean, you know, we've all been saying it, uh, but somebody actually put it on. And it looked like it was a homemade job because the other ones look like they're pretty, like, pro-made those, those other banners, like the Hefferson and Frings and all that other stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd sell me out. We'll see. It's we'll great. See. It's great to see it. It's good to see. I hope it picks up some steam. It makes me feel like uh, at least people know where some of the problems uh, really lie. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. We're at this Instead point. Instead of the spin doctoring that we always get from MLSE. Yeah. 
where it's just like somehow it's the layers of scapegoats that they build around uh, to protect themselves. Yeah. And it's here we are. It's year six where we've been through hun- over a hundred players, seventh coaches. Yet there's, there's the, Some of the best players in the league and the team keeps failing. And there's one constant, there's one constant. And it's maybe like a small handful of people who it's an, an engineer who runs a soccer team. Doesn't know anything about football. Yeah. There you go. And then the other, the last sights and sound, we touched on it, but I feel like we should sort of like state the, this. State the Run it. TFC shirt? That was a good one. The Run DMC? Yeah. I love that knockoff. No, that's not it. That's not it. Was that, it's, I don't want to get into it in a way where it's just kind of like, because for me, it's, it is, you see it and it kind of is for me, like it is a little bit sad that, you know, I understand it's, it's, you know, the middle what of summer it? and everyone's drinking and everyone's happy and partying, but, you know, a 1 1 draw. Against a team that didn't look particularly, uh, you know, up for the full ninety, uh, the win was there, and it's it seems like people are leaving the game as if we started the year winning ten games. Yeah, but going uh, into this game, though, I, I, yeah, I know what you're saying uh, in terms of like, okay, so we're celebrating like it's a win, but going into this game, I didn't think we had even a chance to get a tie. Uh, you know what? I I thought we were going to lose. So I think maybe it was uh, it it was uh, a better expectation than what. Yeah, yeah, people went into. But you know, it, so. I think I think at least where I'm coming from, it's like I'm watching this game and I'm thinking, "Come on, we can like I want to win, like the win is there." Yeah, you know, I want to leave the stadium happy that we actually won the game. We could have, right? And I that, felt like and it was for dangled me, in front and of me. for me, like that's like yeah. It now now it looks good. Now we are like half decent team. You know, New York. We go to Montreal and we win. New York comes here and we beat them. Like that's something I think to be genuinely I, I mean, happy. I know about. we don't have chance for the the playoffs, but man. We can't lose games. <laughs> yeah. We can play spoiler. Yeah, true. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. So, anyways, that was that was the thing. We were, that's another way to well, make we did, we That's another way to make money for yeah. this team. We didn't quite pay, Yeah, right. The system. No, sorry. The spoiler. The spoiler. <laughs> the system. The spoiler. However they want to spin it. Yeah. Um but that's uh yeah, that pretty much uh the wraps of the day. We got a couple games coming up though. We pointed out last week that there is after this game. I should then go back and maybe sort of add, okay, we had, we had to draw this game, which actually sets us up uh, against this midweek against Dallas, who are sitting dead last. Uh, if you have the three bottom teams in the league, it's Toronto, Philadelphia, and Dallas, which is surprising because they were such a good team two years ago. Um, and then after that, we have Philadelphia on the road. Another one of the worst teams yeah, in the league. So and then we're we hosting, get points. And then we're hosting Vancouver here, which is... Three. Favorable for us to yeah. be hosting Vancouver. Yeah, um, there's the, three possible games we can get points. Yeah, wins nine wins. points, potentially nine points in the next three games. Yeah, something a little little like package here that, that might take us season. out of the basement a little bit. It's g- in the dog days of summer. Yeah, here we are in Toronto with no see, hope. Yeah, just humidity. Toronto could go to on beat a, us down. And Toronto could go on a run like we've never seen before. That's true, <laughs> actually. <laughs> and would you have expected it this year? No. No. We never, you know, Toronto usually traditionally, I think. If Holy I, crap, Sparky, you give me hope. That's what I'm here for, Steve. Oh, thanks. That's what I'm here it's for. Tim, than, Tim's not here. It's better than God. Yeah. <laughs> Tim's not here to bring us back down. And uh, I feel like my job this week is to bring us back up. All right. So uh, on that note. Are you applying for a job with the MLSE? No. Marketing director? Yeah. Yeah, marketing director. <laughs> Sorry. Cheerleaders. On that hope. The on that, on cheerleaders that hope. and uh, that's promo, what you think, promo videos for BMO Field. That's what BMO you think Field. is coming in? Yeah. All right. Cheerleaders and promo videos for BMO Field with girls only in them. <laughs> that's the way to sell this team going forward. All right. You heard it here first. So wrapping it up, we got a game midweek. I'll be I'll be there for that. 
at the football factory. Whoever joins me, joins me. We'll try to pull it off. And uh, and then next weekend, away to Philadelphia. And then the next Wednesday, home to the, uh, home to Vancouver. So, right, so it's a busy month. Three games to look forward to. Yeah. In the next two weeks. Yeah. So uh, I got Sparky here on the left, closing it out. Yeah. Let's see you Eastside Stand-Up is the only Toronto City-specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to get involved, so reach out to us on Twitter at hashtag ESSU or at RedNationOnline or at ClarkRNO. You can also reach out to us on email at HaveYourSay at RedNationOnline.ca or info at RedNationOnline.ca. Get involved and become part of the discussion with Red Nation Online and Eastside Stand-Up. <laughs>